Hi friends, welcome to the Mostly Yoga Podcast. I feel like I've said this like so many times in the past couple of days already. If you don't already if you don't already know who I am, my name is Aaron, and this is my show. Uh, this is the third episode of the Chiang Mai Soul Connection series. Which I again am planning to launch the first three episodes uh, now while I'm here, right? I've done this podcast for about three years, maybe four years. Um, And I've had great conversations with every individual on it. And, uh, you know, I've had the privilege of chatting with all these amazing people with all these amazing stories. And there's always been a handful of episodes that I've especially enjoyed lis- uh, having, uh, recording, talking. Vroom, vroom. Okay. Uh, there, there are a handful of episodes that I've, that I've especially enjoyed lis- um, having. And this episode today happens to be one of them. I sat down with my good friend, Jackson. Uh, Craig was there as well. He was our acting Jamie for the day, so you get to hear him uh, at some point. Uh, we we came into this podcast with a lot of topics that we wanted to talk about, uh, from meditation to tantra to, to, to um, spirituality, a lot of things that we wanted to to end up talking about but we kind of just ended up talking about one main thing one main topic and uh, uh, I don't really I don't really want to spoil anything not that that even matters but I, th- I think I would just let you the listener just dive in and listen to how the conversation naturally unfolds and then and you know and, and I'll just let that happen now uh. Uh, if you enjoy, if you what I what am I saying? If you enjoy what if you if you're <laughs> if you enjoy listening to this podcast and you like what you hear, as always, um, feel free to donate to the coffee page at coffee.com slash mostly yoga to show your support. Uh, thank you in advance if you do donate, and if you don't, that's fine. Also, doesn't matter. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy chatting, and I'll keep doing this for free. Vroom, vroom. It's like 11.30 at night And for some reason Nighttime The the, oh, the cars that go by Are often A little bit louder Because there's no one on the road And then they start to speed And they rev their engines Welcome to Thailand uh, Without further ado Here is Jackson And I hope you enjoy it Take it away Craig, remind me to take a photo of, of this later. I always forget to take photos. I'll, I'll take a photo as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, just uh, do all your shout-outs with your Instagram, your website or whatever thing. Oh, sure. Yeah, emphasize. yeah. Uh, try and silent your phone if you need to. Reminder. Oh, yeah. And, and then just be mindful of all the noises that we are making. You know, <laughs> all the snaps, all the coughs. <laughs> you know, like, do that, like, uh, away so it's easy for me to edit. Try not to... Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that. It'll, it'll, I'm doing, I'm doing it's that so, I always have trouble editing that out. 
But it, again, it's a subconscious thing. So if you do it, yeah. it's fine. It'll be what it'll be. Okay, let me think. That's pretty much it. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I mean, we've been, we started about a minute ago already. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're already on. Formally, on formally, now we will begin. All right. I like to take a deep breath every time I start this. And then I feel like also every time when I, at the start of my podcast, you always hear me taking a deep breath. Fun fact for those people who have listened to most of my podcasts, you always hear me take a deep breath. Welcome to the podcast, Jackson. My good friend. Indeed. Uh, you've invited me into your beautiful space. Uh, I really, like I said, I really love this space. Uh, we're here on a, what day is it today? Tuesday. It's a Tuesday afternoon. I'm sitting here with you, sitting here with Craig. He's going to be our Jamie for today. <laughs> At any point, you just Google stuff, chime in, by all means, okay? And uh, again, like when I came to Chiang Mai, you were one of the people that I wanted to chat with. Didn't expect to end up chatting with all these other people. And I'm doing like Logan on this Saturday. Oh, amazing. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people are just, oh, how is on Thursday? Logan's on Saturday. So it's just it's just day after day. It's You've got a new podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I have like my other friends. That's also amazing. That I'm planning to do, bro. That's the thing about Chiang Mai. You come here and like you come. You have come up with some vague idea of what you want to bring to life, and then it's like this place almost. It's like you almost don't have to do that. You have to do the work, but this place that like it like is lining up to give you extra gifts. Like here's this person. Here's this person. Yeah, make your podcast big. You know, I feel here's like, all this inspiration. Yeah, yeah, and and it's also. Every time when I come here and I meet certain people and things just flow. Mm -hmm. Like that day, you know, when we're having dinner and then uh, just like when I went to, like when I went to meet Atum to, the, to, for do the, to do the podcast, then Craig was there and then afterwards he, he when we were done, he was, oh, he, he texted me, he sat at the pool. So I went out of the pool, then Kat, uh, uh, Ralph was there, uh, fucking, who else? Logan was there and uh, Katie was there. And they, then they came from something else like they were like the mycelium fest right yeah they were doing a festival then they wanted to go swim then they oh let's go to Amar Amaravati and then like we all fucking gathered there so it's it so so chill la. yeah anyway it's uh, perfect no and even our friendship started that way like that's I true forget, I forget where we first met but it was it was just like a random connection with a friend it was through Nathan it was through How, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then one thing led to another and then we, we, we like headed off and we had a great conversation and then we went to that pottery workshop which is where we we met Craig. <laughs> so the whole thing it just <laughs> unfolds in all these all these happy accidents that seem well, like too uh, fortuitous yeah accidents coincidences you know same synchronicities same. synchronicities yes yeah brother all right uh how's your day day is good man um honestly most of my days in chiang mai are good i'm so lucky to live here i feel i feel so grateful uh yeah really grateful for my life here what did I do today? I got up and I, I meditated for an hour, which is my which is my normal morning routine. And I'm sure we'll get into meditation yeah, in this podcast because yeah. that's like that's one of the big themes in my life right now that I think is like if, if there's something that I'm gonna talk about in just about every conversation, it's mm -hmm. gonna be it's and, gonna be meditation or it's gonna be semen retention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to share. I mean I'm happy to yeah. we can get into both of yeah. those, but those are those are the things I'm just like so psyched about, but Meditation has been something that I've been super interested in for like a decade now. I'm 26 for yeah. context. And, um, something I started teaching myself. I, would, I was like reading books. I watched, I was in high school and I watched that 
I watched that documentary, that new agey one. Oh, what is it called? The Secret about the law oh, of attraction. Yeah. And then from there, I don't know. It was cool. It like inspired me, and I felt like maybe there was something interesting going on with that. But it was kind of new agey, and it didn't really make sense on a lot of levels. Like uh, with the whole law of attraction, I was like, whoa. Does that mean like everything that bad that happens to everyone is that like just the product of their thoughts? That doesn't really make sense, you know. And so, I, but I was I was interested in all this esoteric stuff, so I started getting into like reading about Taoism, reading about Buddhism, you know, reading like Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. And the big thing was when I started listening to Alan Watts lectures. And yes. Ever since then, we that, we've had conversations. That, about yes, it. that that's how we connected. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yes. I, 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 it was either I think okay now I remember we we you me Nathan we and and the other girl. We went to uh, we bumped into you at uh, the smoothie place. Yeah, Kunkes. Kunkes, yes. And then afterwards, she had to leave, and Nathan had to leave, or something like that. Uh-huh. And it was just you and me. And then we started to get to know each other a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and I, I think remember. we talked yeah, about yeah, yeah. we talked we about, about Alan Watts, Watts right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I had a book with me about Kundalini that, that you read a bit of. Yeah, yeah, that's good shit. Um, no, but I meditated. What did I do this morning? I meditated for an hour. I did some yoga mm-hmm. and. With our friend here, with our friend here, Craig came over this morning. We did we did some we did some sun salutations and some Udiana Banda and um, just fun chill yoga stuff. How did this whole meditation thing begin? Like, was this something that you were taught? Was it something that you discovered from the book, or was it like a secret, or was it just like uh, you know one thing led to another? Honestly, because, um, because also people don't just jump into a meditation practice. They usually start from like yoga or something. But was meditation the first thing that brought you to all this other stuff? Yeah, it was. Meditation is the thing. Um, I tried yoga. I didn't like it. I felt like people were uh, telling me to contort my body into different ways. And, um, you know, it's fu- it's funny how these conversations come up again and again. I was talking with Craig about this this morning, but... Uh, I feel like a lot of yoga is not taught well in the sense that it's not taught systematically. You're not given tools for self-empowerment. You're not taught how to string sequences together. You're not told what, from the teachers I had experienced, you're not told like what each pose is good for. Everything is just presented in in terms of sort of a physical exercise a lot of the time. But that's not really what yoga is. It's, uh, we can get into yoga and my perspectives on that as well because it's something else that I'm diving deeper into. But we got time. And of course, it's mostly yoga podcast, so it's an <laughs> appropriate topic, right? Um, no, but so so. just long story short, yoga wasn't what got me into meditation. And it, it, was, it was philosophy. It was trying to find a worldview for understanding the universe that made sense to me because like I grew up in a vaguely Christian household. I wasn't, it wasn't fundamentalist or hardcore like a lot of American families are, but... Um, you know, I knew some of the Bible stories. I knew who Jesus was, but I felt like a lot of the the tenets of Christianity didn't make sense. And, um, it didn't make sense to me why, like if if you were a sinner, you were going to go to hell for eternity. That was just like an unbearable concept. Like the, the, the whole esoteric and metaphysical, uh, background of Christianity made no sense to me. And this had intersected. I started getting like some mental health issues when I was, I think, seven or eight years old. Like I started having intrusive thoughts and sort of um, textbook symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder um, and also a lot of social anxiety that started hitting, really kicking off around age like nine or ten. And Christianity was no help in that. Like, in fact, I would, I would 
obsess about saying like little prayers at every juncture in my day because I was worried if I wasn't always like thinking about God that I would be a sinner and that therefore I'd be setting myself up for like metaphysical doom. Um, and this was, I also just want to like excuse my parents from this because they, they would never laid the groundwork for any of this in any way. This is purely like religion interacting with um, an emergent mental health problem that I don't think my parents had the understanding to be able to recognize. So they weren't really, you know, they, they wanted the best for me, but I just didn't think they recognized that I had OCD at that time. Um, but it was interacting in these really painful ways and I was embarrassed because I felt like my thoughts were super, um, they didn't make sense. It's embarrassing to, to admit that like, I'm obsessively compulsively like praying to God like every five minutes or else I feel like I'm gonna go to hell or something. Like, why would a 10 year old be dealing with a problem like that? It's just bizarre. And I was self-aware enough at the time to like not be able to, 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 to know to feel embarrassed about this problem that I was having and not really want to share it with people because I felt like I was fucking crazy, basically. Um, but I think long story short, I was always curious about metaphysics. I'd read lots of fantasy novels like growing up. I loved, what is it, The Golden Compass, those books which, which had a lot of like commentary on religion and spirituality. And so I had a very vivid imaginative mind and I was curious about these big questions from a super early age. But Christianity just wasn't cutting it for me. It wasn't answering the questions that I had in my heart. Um, and it also was not providing any relief from the mental health issues that I was starting to deal with as I entered my teenage years. And so I think that there was a quest in my heart to find some metaphysical foundation for my life that would provide stability and happiness and just a way of coping with all the bullshit of the world, you know? The world, I think, throws bullshit at lots of people, but especially when you have anxiety, especially when you have some, some, something that's attacking you at an early age when I'm, I was supposed to be able to, like, relax and chill with my friends, but I couldn't relate to them. I couldn't even, like, settle down in a comfortable way in a social scene. I couldn't trust that, like, my friends would have my back. I, I just couldn't be at ease. My nervous system was fucked up because of these anxiety issues that were that were popping up and i needed some world view or some 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 toolkit to help me deal with all of that and so i think that maybe i wasn't able to fully articulate this throughout high school but i think that this was sort of the the context that led me to meditation because i needed something that would answer my big questions about the universe and that made sense and um Really, that's, that's blossomed into probably the biggest quest of my life and the biggest curiosity of my life, which is curiosity about, about religion and about spirituality and about conducting this investigation um, and understanding what's really going on with my mind and with the world. And at least insofar as I can find a lasting and abiding peace with myself and with the world. So I think it's a quest for peace. Oh, what a wonderful insight. And especially at such a young age, for you to be able to question these things, and not only that, to think that the answer lies in meditation or in spirituality. Because if, I don't know, uh, maybe I speak for myself, but when, I'm, as an, when I was an adolescent and I had questions, I wouldn't seek spirituality, I would seek pleasure. Mm -hmm. I would seek distraction. Oh, I did that too. I, you know what I mean? I want to play video games. I want to go and play, you know, chat sure. up girls. 
I never thought like, oh, what what is the meaning of life? Maybe I'll just sit down quietly and all by myself and close my eyes and think. <laughs> like that would never, like you know, if you're 16 years old, your mind is racing. You don't know what you're. You're so angsty. You're full of testosterone. Sure. And for you to be, to have that insight at such a young age, you know. Sure. Well. I think I was too scared to like go talk to girls. That's that's one potential distraction. That uh, is a terrifying thing to do. <laughs> taken, taken out of the way, I think. So, yeah. Um, and in terms of seeking pleasure, I don't know. I think I... I didn't like the metaphysics of Christianity. I think I took some of the... Uh, the, I, the more like... The, the moral... And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of that I think I brought with me. My, my parents raised me with... Um, they instilled in me, I think, a pretty clear sense of like... Right or wrong. You yeah, you kind of have a duty to like mm. do good in the world, and so I think that some another dimension of this is that like I think an underpinning theme of my journey has been my connection with nature and with the environment. Which I know it sounds so cliche as a here I am living in Chiang Mai and I love nature and I like to meditate. You know <laughs> how many how many people like that are there? You know, do you do yoga as well? Huh? <laughs> Doing yoga as well. Oh my god. Um, no, but for real, like. Well, for example, the town that I grew up in, um, it's like over 50% Mormon. And, um, well, I'm sorry, LDS, I think is, is, LDS, is the, what's that mean? the Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints. Latter-day Saints that, is a that is, LDS. That means Mormons. That means Mormons. I think that's, that's like the a newer term. Politically correct. I, I never knew this. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sure. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. So it's over 50% like LDS. Okay. Um, and, you know, I had lovely, lovely friends who are, who are LDS people, but we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And I felt like the community there was oftentimes kind of insulated Closed. and not really thinking about issues on a global level. And they had a whole worldview that was like, you know, all you have to do is, is trust Jesus and trust God and trust the word of the saints. And so their sense of duty to the world was about, so, I think, more yeah. about like, there, there was certainly good community service that happened in those communities, but I think the main thing was like evangelizing their religion. Um, I can see that. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what they were brought up to advocate. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. It's part of their thing. Like, they have to do it. And yeah. again, really sweet, good-hearted. They mean well, sure. And intelligent people. Like, yeah. I have a, I don't know, I have a friend from high school who's LDS who went and studied like at Yale Law school like like very very smart people um i'm not trying to put down that community but basically i didn't see eye to eye with them because again i was having all these issues with christianity and so um i was i was leaning more towards like a sciencey mind-based approach to solving problems but like for example i felt like i was really sad to see forests being cut down and new suburban subdevelopments being put up outside my town and uh on the other hand i would hear some of my friends talk about how they wanted to have huge families and raise like 10 kids or 15 kids, which is like a more normal thing in LDS communities. Sometimes you'll have these really big families. And for me, that, that felt so myopic to me. I would get really frustrated in conversations because I'd be like, well, I mean, all those kids, were we, they're, what kind of world are they going to be born into? And like, how are we going to uh, house them all without building a bunch of more houses that is going to cut down more forests and even be more destructive to the world like can you can you be moderate can you have like you know two or three kids i think that'd be a much more reasonable number um i i don't know i would just get frustrated trying to have conversations with my friends to to get them to understand the world 
through the particular lens that I saw it because I, I cared a lot about big issues and I think I used caring about big issues as kind of a, a cover to not deal with my own emotional development because I was riddled with anxiety, mm. right? Um, you wanted like to to avoid dealing with your own inadequacies as a growing man at that yeah. age. You felt like you needed to find a cause bigger than yourself. Exactly. Environmentalism, uh, social justice, blah blah blah. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And you know, I'm sure. I'm sure Jordan Peterson and other people would have a thing or two to say about that. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, the fact that I kind of had this moral crusader vibe also made it that I couldn't really distract myself with a lot of, like, pleasurable, stupid stuff that, like, teenagers normally do. Stupid and important stuff. Um, because so, of your upbringing and the way you were brought up. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Fair enough. And my parents also were both kind of people who had left their communities behind. Like, um, they had both grown up in super conservative communities in Oklahoma and, and they're more sort of, I think, open-minded mm-hmm. people than the communities that they grew up with um, in a lot of ways. And so I know they had, they had left Oklahoma and maybe felt some estrangement from the communities they came from. And so when they saw me growing up and I was kind of estranged from the, the overall community in Idaho. I don't think that was a problem for them. I think it was kind of like, oh, our son's free thinking just like we were. Um, and to some degree, I think they're right. Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they weren't wrong, but that was sort of the context in which I, I started meditating. And the funny thing about it is, though, is that clearly part of my motivation for meditation was really good. It was like wanting to answer big questions for the world, um, questions in my heart, questions about the universe. And part of it was bad. It was like running away it's easy to sit down on a cushion in your room if you're running away from your own anxiety, right? Mm. But the thing about meditation that I love about it is that when I was sitting down to meditate because I was running away from my own mind, my mind was merciless. It fucking sucked to sit in meditation Mm. until it became obviously apparent that I shouldn't be on that cushion. I should be out there building my social skills. Mm. So like this is something that happened during college. I would go to these Zen Zen sittings. There was a, a Zen monk who came to our college every like, I don't know, Wednesday. We'd go to the basement of the chapel and meditate in a circle and talk about Buddhism. And eventually the meditations became so unbearable, I just stopped going because it was fucking miserable because it wasn't what I needed to be doing. Like I needed to be out meeting people and making friends and improving myself. And so I did that. I went out and stopped meditating for a couple of years, but then eventually I came back to it when the time was right, you know? And I think that's why meditation continues to be such a big thing in my life is that other interests have arisen and fallen. Other phases have come and gone. But it's always been this bedrock that I've been able to come back to. And it's just so fundamental. Like, if the world doesn't fucking make sense, then go sit down and examine the bare bones of your experience. What does it feel like to be inside your body? Because normally if you're confused or you're blocked or you're not able to build the life that you want, it's because you're fighting with yourself somehow. So stop projecting it on the world and go inside yourself and just figure out where the battle is and and stop fighting yourself. <laughs> like just chill it's interesting that you felt that meditation was a way of escaping uh, uh, having to deal with the outside world yeah. when most people like usually I would think that meditation is something that you go inwards to deal with the movements of the mind right so then for you sitting still was to was in the name of avoidance but for most other people or rather the majority of people sitting still was to face those those fluctuations you know what i mean so it's interesting that you felt you found solace in meditation versus 
the 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 general public who find it more hard to meditate and easier to just go out and run around and talk to people. So that's I guess that's why you found that consistency throughout your whole life that it's always something there to to help you, to guide you. But I I don't think the avoidance part worked out. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. I think I tried to. I think I originally I was. You know, running away, quote unquote. Bless, bless my sixteen-year-old heart. Mm. I think I was bullshitting myself a little bit. I think I was try. I had this image of myself as I, I'm going to go unravel the mysteries of the universe. But I was running. I was mm. running from so many things. You know, as you know, sixteen-year-olds do. do it's the yeah. whole the world is a. It's a confusing place. It's a scary place. You're it's a lot to own. take on when you're, you're, you're at coming that age. of age. Exactly. You don't even exactly. know your, what's going on in your own body, let alone your own mind. And, For sure. And you're just doing this yeah you have your parents you have your friends but you're ultimately doing this alone right it's a it's a exactly. it's a it's coming of age it's yeah. a loss of innocence it's a reality check you know whatever you want to call it and like looking back i have such profound like compassion and love for the person i was at that phase of my life As you but i also recognize like how the thing that i thought i was doing that was meditation it was it was an earnest attempt but Ultimately. I've had so many like realizations through my practice and also outside of practice, you know, like not everything I've learned about meditation has been during meditating. Right. Like sometimes one of the big lessons I had was I also have had a lot of insomnia in my life. Luckily, I've, I've found techniques to get over that largely, but I used to just lay, lay awake at night and I would, f- I would struggle to fall asleep and I'd be so afraid to like, what if I can't fall asleep? Because then I had heard these, <clears throat> these TED talks about like, if you don't get your eight hours of sleep then blah 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 and so it turns into a whole like horror story in your own head again again anxiety right but eventually i learned like okay just don't if you if your body doesn't want to fall asleep then just don't fight it and the moment you stop fighting the moment you stop trying to fall yeah. asleep you fall asleep well no you stay for me i stayed awake sometimes i'd stay awake until three or four a.m still my body wouldn't fall asleep but at least i was at peace with it you know uh, i would be like i wouldn't i wouldn't be yeah, exactly. Acceptance. I wouldn't be fighting myself and causing myself misery. So it's like the situation was what mm-hmm. it was and I could just accept it. Maybe I would get up and like read a book mm-hmm. um, without any blue light or maybe I'd just lay in bed. Maybe I would even make a challenge of it. How late can I stay up without, you know, lay in bed but stay awake? And that was a fun one because if you flip the table, sometimes once you made it a challenge to stay awake, you'd fall right asleep, you know. Mm-hmm. But learn to accept it, yeah. Accept the circumstance rather than building a horror story and reacting to it. And that alone is like a, a major breakthrough. Because what happens when you're sitting in meditation and you have like a terrible itch? Mm. You right. can scratch it. That's one thing you yeah. can do and you can observe what happens. Or you can just sit with it. And it's unpleasant, but you just kind of break it down. Like, yeah, okay, this is happening. I itch. I want to scratch it. But I'm just going to be curious about this. I'm going to accept it for a little bit longer and see what happens. And and I love this uh, this example because an itch... It, especially when you have your eyes closed in meditation and all you're doing is just being still, the moment you do feel something tickling you, let's say an itch, it becomes the main focus of your, your mind already. All your, your thoughts can think of is like, I need to scratch this itch. And it's something so small. And now if we, if we amplify it to like day-to-day life when you're met with a certain level of discomfort, and then you immediately need to scratch this because I don't want to feel itchy. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But through the practice of meditation, when you sit and you feel the itch and you allow yourself to be itchy or yeah. you accept that I'm just going to be itchy 
yeah. this is how I am going to be for the rest of my life forever. Because ultimately, at that point, you like, I because when like a, a way to do to pretend, to help with meditation that I try is that like I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to sit forever. That is yeah. how, what I tell myself until the point I'll sit there forever. I don't move until it's time to move. Mm. So ultimately, I'm there forever. So if I feel something and I'm I can't move. I'm in the meditation zone. This I'm gonna feel itchy forever. I've accepted that already, and after a while, that itch goes away, yeah. or it doesn't bother you as much, yeah. right? Because it's your mind like you gotta deal with, it, you gotta deal with, it, you gotta exactly. deal with, it, you gotta scratch. And then in reality, when we yeah. do feel certain things, and we, it it's like a metaphor because if you can deal with this itch, which is something so small, yeah, you can deal with something else that's harder in the yeah. waking world. Because it's like when you when you really settle your attention on that itch, it fills up your consciousness, right? Yeah. So maybe that's it's all a, you can think about. It's a small problem, but it's big in your mind. It's big in your consciousness. And so, in this very pure space, if you can, and you can't fight the itch, right? You can't you can't like come in as a warrior and say I'm gonna I'm gonna resist this itch because. If you're if you're if you're following you know general guidelines for meditation, like if you go to a Goenka retreat, they suggest that like, which I haven't been to go a Goenka retreat, so I shouldn't speak too much on. But I've talked with many people who have been to those retreats, and I watched some of his videos. But generally, you're advised like not to move your body, to keep your body as still mm. as possible within reason. But if there's a terrible itch, you really want to scratch it, but you risk you just settle down, you calm down, you relax it, and you just. How do you fight a big problem without fighting it? How do you overcome it? You completely let your consciousness sink into it, absorb it until like, and I'm not always good at this. Like it's really hard to do. Of course. But you can, you get into the whole game and you see, you, you join this dance of like, there's the physical sensation and then there's the body's judgmental reaction to it saying this is a problem. And Sometimes when you're really lucid in meditation, you can break this down and it becomes a dance. It's just like a fascinating circus show of watching these things happening. And it almost becomes enjoyable mm. to feel the itch. It becomes like an old like an old friend, you know? Because you're looking at it not from your eyes. You're looking from it like a third person. You're looking at yourself. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because now I'm looking at it through my eyes. Oh, I feel itchy mm-hmm. and I need to do something about it. But if you look at it from a third person's perspective... And who, and who is the I? Right. Right? <laughs> Which we go deeper into this, like, like, I mean, I don't even know how to put it into words, but there is the I, right? The capital I. Uh-huh. And if you can see yourself through that perspective, you are not your body anymore. You are not your thoughts. You are not you. Are not you. you are you, but you're also not you. You are right. the true self is within you, but you are not you. Like, I am here, but I am not me. Right. My name is Aaron, but I am not Aaron. Right. My job is this, but I, this is not my job. You know, like, I am a Singaporean, I, I, I am, you, you are American, or whatever, but that's still not you. Who are you, right? Who am I? Who and that's the ultimate I? question that we're all trying to find. Ramana Maharishi, man. Hey, the <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture of Ramana over, I have a little yeah. altar in the corner of this room, there's a picture of Ramana. On there. Dude, everywhere I go, everybody, like, so far, the three people that I've interviewed so far, everybody has an altar somewhere. Yeah? <laughs> Even at two places, everybody has an altar. <laughs> It's, it's a good reminder of like your your spiritual ideals, yeah. right? And what you're what you're aspiring to. It's beautiful. You have one at your, your I place wanna, as well, yeah, right? Yeah. Soon to have a cool it's, new uh, incense burner. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like a the yeah, and and also like how interesting that I got to see everybody's flute. So uh huh, so interesting. Fun little patterns, man. Yeah. 
uh, when I was at Atum's place, I saw I was just followed by Ganesh everywhere because yeah. we we started out at the yoga room, the yoga room in Ar- Amaravati, and then uh, this lady came in halfway. She said she needed to use the space, so we moved to his his room. And I was like, there was a Ganesh there. And when I went to his room, there's a Ganesh there. So I was like, oh, I'll be followed by him. <laughs> it's a good one to be followed by yeah. him. Ah. Um, I think just following up on that theme of you start watching yourself when you're watching the itch. You're not you watching the itch anymore, right? Because as long as... And it's not like something that really happens it's not like you're telling yourself oh i'm not me anymore like it doesn't make sense but just like i think if you sit and you keep your body still enough it's like if you say a word over and over like water 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 like it stops meaning the liquid that you drink it starts just being a sound sound and it's like is it is the tur first or is the wa first like what sound comes from it's just like it's this abstraction. It becomes mm. something else. It's like, vibration. Like what? Why? Why is blue blue? Exactly. Why is water water? What is all these arbitrary names that we give to the thing? But the thing isn't the word. It is the thing itself. Like this table or or, or whatever the, the sky. We call it the sky, but it's not. You know, what I mean, it, we're the getting words point very, to a thing, yeah. but. But it's just how we build the world around us, right? We need to totally. put meaning to something. That's the way our symbolic minds work, yeah. you know? And we end up being uh, associated with it unconsciously, which is why we're like, oh, this is a table. And if I see a table with four legs anywhere, I'm going to assume that this is a table. But then to a cow, to a dog, this is not a table. This is just a chew toy. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking, it's where I sleep, you know? Like the table means nothing to the dog or to yeah. the cow. But we see that's a table. No, hey dog, like don't don't sleep on it. It's where you eat or where what you do. You know, as what you're supposed to do with a table. But the dog's like, no, this is this is my bed. This is my my play thing. So then, you know what I mean? Like so now our world becomes different. Like, yeah. yeah. So what is the thing? It is whatever we decided to be. The dog has decided this is his friend, his house, his true toy, his whatever, his his potty. But we have decided like this thing with four corners and four legs is where we sit and study and eat and whatever. So then the yeah. world becomes so different really one. And just like saying the word water over and over again, or looking at the table until it becomes abstract, until the stories you tell about it fall away, sometimes, and again, I'm not an expert meditator. I don't pretend to be like super advanced or to have peered through all the veils. Just speaking from experience. I'm just speaking from, you know, little little things that have happened to me as as I've been meditating here or there. Sometimes you sit and your body completely, your perception of your body completely changes. And like your, your body is your interface with the physical world, mm. right? Like I have a mind and you could argue the mind is just a refinement of the body because a lot of the functioning of the mind seems to be just neurons firing in the brain. I think there's more to consciousness than that. I think there's mm. an esoteric fundamental that's much deeper than the physical world. But you know, just speaking about the body as your interface with the physical world. Much of our understanding of what we're capable of, what we're limited to, what is achievable in this lifetime, it's limited by our experience of being in a body. Like, okay, I can't go jump off that cliff because I'm going to hit the ground and it's going to hurt like hell. But like, if you're sitting in your body, if you're sitting in meditation, and suddenly you're just like the word water that you've said over and over until it kind of changes. 
if you sit in your and, and you just pay attention to your body in meditation and you're quiet and you're still enough suddenly your body which you thought you knew so well it becomes an abstraction in and of itself and you start to notice all of these features that you hadn't noticed before because they didn't fit in your story about what the body was and what it was capable of right but the body is actually so much more it's an entire fucking universe in here man like you can close your eyes and spend a long time just joyously exploring all the details of sensation on your toes and your feet and inside your belly like there's so much going on in here that we're not aware of and when you start to recognize the mystery of embodiment the mystery of being consciousness that's somehow connected to this body like 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 it's not it's not an abstract question dude it's not something you you can go think about it and philosophize about it but i'm saying when you sit down and you're still enough it's like it raises the hair on your spine you know like it's 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 chilling and exciting and fucking cool because we don't know what we are it doesn't make sense the body when you really examine it it's it's like it's like you're talking with a relative, right? And you thought you knew everything about them. Well, that's Cousin Joe. And all of a sudden, Cousin Joe says, like, start speaking in French and something or something. And you're like, what the fuck? I didn't know Joe could speak French. And then he starts, like, juggling. And you're like, I didn't know Joe could juggle. And then he says, oh, yeah, back when I was piloting F-22s in the war. And you're like, Joe, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know, it's like it is, it, your body is like this. It's like there's an, there's an endless wellspring of, of mystery. And so that it raises all these questions of, like, okay, so all these things, I have this chronic pain or I've accepted this limitation. Is it possible that this limitation and what I thought I was capable of and what I thought I could accomplish in this lifetime, is it purely related to the fact that I just wasn't paying close enough attention to my body? And so there's all these questions of potential and what could unfold in this lifetime that open up when you, when you start to investigate the body more deeply. So I, you can tell I'm passionate about this. It's just such a cool topic, right? It's fascinating. It's nerdy, but it's cool. I don't think it's nerdy at all. I think it's, I think it is cool, and I see that, I see your excitement, which makes me more excited also. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, sure, express <laughs> by all means. Cool. Um, to add on, uh, we like we think. We think that we are separate from this universe, right? Yeah. We see ourselves. We we feel our body, mm -hmm. and we 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 identify ourselves as individuals, but. We are not, you know, in a sense. Like, yeah, we are our own selves, mm -hmm. but we are still the same with everybody else. We are the same with the tree, we are the same with the table, we are the same with the universe. And because we can't see that through meditation, when we sit and when we still everything, you start to feel um, a merging of some sort. Mm. You start to feel the, the, the world that we exist in melt away. And then you know, you know you hear these stories about people meditating and if I can see the universe they're floating around mm -hmm. or whatever why is that why is that always somehow the default uh, vision that you see uh, whenever you close your eyes mm -hmm. and it's because that's the real us the the true higher self version of us we are all the universe and when we are in this body we forget mm -hmm. when we live in this material world we forget also because this is what we always see, but that's not what we are truly experiencing. It's like, it's like um, fish swimming around water, not knowing that they're surrounded by water because 
that's just just normal what it's just a normal thing what, what do you mean mm. what is water but what we can't see doesn't mean that it's not there mm. like yes we I, I, we uh, maneuver around this world through using our five senses using our body we feel we touch we smell blah 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 but what if we can't smell or feel something does that mean it's not real I can't feel air I can't smell air does that mean it's not it's not there and there are certain things that like say God do you feel him do you or her do you feel God do you see God no we don't see we don't feel but we somehow know he exists where does that come from there has to be something intuitive within us that is able to tell what and uh, I mean I don't know I don't know I don't know whether I, any of this is real I don't know what's true I don't know but I just choose to believe that there is like from what I see around us I look at the tree I look at the life cycle of a bug I look at my life and I, 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 I notice the feelings and the emotions that I have and I, I'm like thinking where does this all come from I'm sure that it has to come from somewhere like look around the, the, the beauty around us where does it all come from this is a grand um, architecture you know and it can't come from nothing even nothing is something yeah. so then if we think about it down the line whatever that can't be answered God love and I I love how you are just pointing out just this ecstatic mystery of the universe it is it is mysterious and it evades apprehension by the limited egoic self like you said do do I see God when I'm little Jackson you know just normal going about my day going to my little vegetarian restaurant and going to work at a cafe it's like no when I'm in the mundane mindset I, I, I see the mundane and the implication there is that okay if, so if I'm if I'm attuning myself to mundaneity I'm living my life in a mundane way then I'm going to see the mundane mm. but if I live my life making the effort to attune to supra mundane something beyond the mundane then more likely than not I'm going to see it I'm going to find it and and I, I I think that one of the big takeaways that I'm finding from both meditation and from yoga, which of course are, are inextricable, right? Like, I talk a lot about Buddhist meditation, but like, Buddha, before he became enlightened, he practiced with lots of yogis around India um, and Nepal, a couple of them at least, before he before he found his his nirvana. But I think, I think the recurrent lesson is that, to greater or lesser degrees, these things don't have to remain mysteries. We can, we can, to a large degree, tune ourselves to apprehend the mystery of the universe in a more direct way. And I think this has been the takeaway from saints and sages throughout the centuries. I mean, they're, they're, they're all very clear. Like, ask these questions about, about the mysteries of the universe, and not in a super intellectual way, but ask them with the heart. Ask them in a heartful, embodied way. Ramana Maharishi um, who's been a super influential teacher, I would say, in my guiding my, my understanding of the universe. His famous booklet is, is called Nanyar in, in Tamil, or Who Am I? And there's this process he talks about of neti neti, where you have to go through bit by bit. And bit by bit, you recognize that the consciousness that you are is separate from all that can be observed. I'm not my body, I'm not my thoughts. 
so what am I? You can conduct an investigation and suddenly this thing that felt intellectual and, and, and abstract and kind of like vaguely inspiring, suddenly it becomes a very personal, intimate question because it's not, it's not an intellectual question. It's The mystery is right, it's right here, it's in the room with us. And you can feel it if you close your eyes and look in the right place inside. Like we are living hand in hand with ecstatic mystery mm-hmm. and through different and meditation and this kind of self-inquiry and jnana yoga it's one way but there are other ways too like yoga itself um i'm studying um yoga right now through an esoteric uh, and tantric lens not not like neo-tantra not you know sexy time but uh, <laughs> trying trying to study in a, in a proper context um, and of course that's going to be controversial because lots of different people have different ideas about what Tantra is um, but you can use a yoga pose with a proper orientation of your inward attention on a certain energy center in the body and attune yourself to a certain emotional or energetic quality right I can I can practice bhujangasana with my my lower back totally relaxed and my my chest and head arced up towards the sky and I can direct my attention towards my heart center. And in this position where, you know, my chest is fully opened, the nerve plexuses that might be normally slightly compressed, suddenly they're wide open, the capillaries are open, blood is flowing, and on a subtler level energy is flowing. And suddenly this, this entirely new emotional quality is evoked inside my being and I can feel love much more intensely than I could before, you know? And so like, there seem to be these universal qualities of love and joy and uh, they're there, they're tangible. We can interact with them, we can capture them, we can not capture them in a like hold them prisoner, but we can we can resonate with them. Even God, like you can direct your, you can direct your attention in a soft, inquisitive, loving way and you can start to feel a kind of guiding presence in the room with you a kind of loving uh, deeply powerful wise force that you can rely on if you practice at first it might not feel that way but if you go into your heart each time with earnest gentle curiosity not as a punishment not as like a hardcore discipline like i'm going to find god and we're going to knuckle down but relax and softly, softly inquire. We can attune ourselves to a lot of things. And whether or not that got, maybe you're saying, Jackson, you're crazy, you're hallucinating. It's just, it's a mental fabrication. Maybe, maybe so. But even so, I guarantee you, you're going to live more courageously and, and authentically if you're no longer burdened by fear because you feel like you have the presence of, uh, you know, somebody who loves you deeply and you know who's right there in the room with you and willing to support you like you feel less afraid and when you're not acting out of fear what can you act out of you can act out of love and you can do better work in the world um as long as you don't become a fanatic that is i mean there's there's always pitfalls but all i'm just trying to point out is that there's this whole tapestry of incredibly mysterious forces and practices available to us and this is what makes me super excited to be alive because it means joy is always within reach and love is always within reach and focus is always within reach and if i want to become a better person you know 
I have tools, powerful tools. I agree with everything that you've said. Yeah. All right, that's just a statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also, it does take some practice to be able to be in tune with that sensation of, of course, quote unquote, yeah, yeah. God, right? Yeah, you can't see it. Yeah, you can't really uh, touch it or whatever. And maybe your inability to connect with the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, Jesus, Muhammad, Brahma, mm. your inability to connect with that just takes practice. Like everything in life, right? Close your eyes, sit down for one minute, and all if you if and if all you can think about is what 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 am I gonna eat later? Uh, did I send my email? Uh, did I do my homework? Did, did I turn off the the gas? If all you can think about is that, then how are you gonna expect to to be to connect mm-hmm. with that? You know, with God. Hundred percent. Next day you sit two minutes. Next day you sit three minutes, and so on and so on until you reach an hour, and then at that fifty ninth minute. Then you know I propose that question again, like, do you, what do you feel at that point when you're already more, uh, you had you have like a bit more experience of being in touch with yourself, and then through that meditation, you see like you see whether you can talk to him or not. Yeah, mm. you know I'm sure you <laughs> he will whisper something in your ear. Much closer, right? You're much closer, and it comes from just stillness, and it comes from just. Awareness, yeah. because you have to be, you have to hear him, what right, or yeah. her, or whatever. You have to hear the universe speak to you, because he's always talking to you. He's talking to you in the trees. He's talking to you in 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 the air, and you have to pay attention because we're not paying attention, yeah. right? Our mind is always focused on other things, distractions, yeah. social media, all this kind of thing. We seek out all these pleasures, mm-hmm. and it's the devil that's like teasing us, moving us away from God, what right? Mm-hmm. So it's up to us to cut that all that out. Uh, be still and just talk to him. Cutting out distractions, which include, you know, alcohol, drugs, fucking women, anything that can be a vice to you. Even like something that could be perceived as positive. Maybe you go to gym and that's a healthy thing, but if you abuse it, if you take steroids and if you like don't rest, that's also... A ne- it becomes a negative thing right yeah. if you run or if you whatever just keep reading and like you don't go out and you don't live in the real world so the devil people think that the devil is just um, very obvious he's just some guys just trying to mess you up but the devil is subtle the devil is the, the, the guy that like whispers in your ear and like say you know I think you are doing the right thing continue just go on you know the devil is very subtle and you must be able to catch him you know and, and before you you, you fall victim to whatever vices that exist in the world. I think it's um I think the subtlety of vice and the ease with which we can be distracted is is very real. I think the idea of like the devil or like a, a, an ultimate tempter and like the duality of good and evil, I'm like I don't know that I'm 100% sold on it. I'm like partially sold on it because if what this, do you mean? This is a question that I get super, super. Uh, it's an interesting question that we can dig into. Like, um, I wrote down in my my little phone just now mm-hmm. when you were talking about, and I don't know whether you noticed this that you bring up because of your upbringing of Christianity. I'm sure you are 
you're taught certain things about good and evil, Jesus and the devil, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like me getting to know you mm. and through the conversations that we've had, you've always had this uh, resistance to the dark side. Mm. You know? Whether this dark side represents, okay, the devil, bad things, mm. or masculinity, or mm. um, being rude to people, you know? Mm. Just everyday small things that you you feel like you resist. And I'm not saying like go out and fucking be an asshole, but like there are certain like say if you are a people pleaser, that's not good either, you know. No. I mean, you need to be you need to need to learn to just say no, you need to learn to draw boundaries. These things Definitely. require a certain uh level of like um you have to be a bit firm. Right? Sure. And that is a bit towards the dark side, you know? Like no, I don't wanna do this. No, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Uh, you know, you have to say these things. No, mom, I, I want to travel. Let me live my life, that kind of thing. And, I'm, I, and I propose this question to you. Like, do you feel, like, while you're contemplating the question of the devil and, you know, what we talked about just now, do you feel that you have this resistance to it, even with women or even with, like, say, semen retention, where you feel like it's some kind of a holy process, right? Everything that you sort of do, you do in the name of good. But what have you done in the name of the dark? Mm. I've done lots of things knowing <laughs> they are dark. You know, I mean, I, I think it's easy. Like, you know, I, I don't think my my connection with pornography is as, as bad as a lot of people's. But like, I have watched pornography in my life. Um, and it certainly feels like like a pretty fucking evil thing to do. Like, Mm-mm. because number one, you don't know how the women who are... I mean, porn is just—it's just a very—it's a very toxic thing, like, It's—it's yeah. a—it's re- a really dark thing. So mm. I would say, like, desensitizes you a bit, for sure. And we can get into this conversation, but just keeping it focused on the the idea of good and evil, like, like yeah, I have done shit in my life that mm. has felt that at the end of it, I felt really hollow and really just bad and dark. Like I was, and it's—it's it's not even like an intellectual, like, oh, my mom told me that was bad, so I shouldn't have done that. It's a deep in your bones. Emptiness. Shame, disgust, that kind of feeling that you feel. Is it? Yeah, or like like pushing even past that, it's it's a feeling of just emptiness, but not in a holy way. Emptiness mm. in a Yeah, I guess, I guess I guess emptiness with a background of loathing and shame and and, and I've I basically I think when you indulge in something like watching pornography, at the end of it, there's no question from your body or your mind that what you've just done does not serve you well. Mm. Like, maybe maybe in certain circumstances, it could be argued that pornography is useful, but like I think for the vast majority of people in their relationship to it, like it's it's super destructive. So like I have I have engaged in things that felt that felt bad and I I I kind of reject this idea that I think it's inconvenient to hold yourself to a high moral standard and it also opens you up to fanaticism and arrogance and self-righteousness and seeing yourself as like a martyr and these are all terrible things these are all fates to be avoided right but if 
I don't know. Like, yeah, sometimes we do have to, I think, do bad things in life. Sometimes we do have to cut somebody off even though they need our support because we just don't have the emotional energy to support the people that we're trying to support. You know what I mean? But, like, there has to be at least some sort of inner struggle to reconcile because you just you've just driven a, a on one hand you're you you have a moral standard and you tell yourself i'm not ever going to cut somebody off who needs me and i'm gonna i'm gonna help them but you just did that right mm-hmm. and so now there's a fracture in your personality there's the person who did the action and there's the person who says i'm never i never would do that right now you have a big problem you have two different versions of yourself in your head and which one has the steering wheel at any given moment and how can you trust yourself if person a has the steering wheel half the time and person B has the steering wheel half the time. You're never, and they're following two different roadmaps. You're never going to get to the destination you think you're going to, right? And this is something that like, uh, what's his name? Guru, the, the guy who taught Uspensky. Um, P.D. Uspensky and, it's going to come to me. He's like a Russian, he's a Russian mystic. <laughs> Gurdjieff, George oh, Gurdjieff. Okay. okay. Uh, Jamie, Jamie, pull it out. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's this there's this fucking awesome quote. Jamie, can you pull up the quote? It's so heavy. Can you pull up the quote? Like, Google Uspensky. Um, Are you expecting me to just know <laughs> He's a Ukrainian, Ukrainian mystic. He wrote this book, this great book called In Search of the Miraculous. O-U-S-P-E-N-S-K-Y. Yeah. Um inner struggle quote let me preference also when I when I when I asked you about uh, embracing your darkness I'm not saying like go out and be an asshole what I'm saying is that there are certain things that you need to do to maintain your your light which requires and that's the thing you have you have you have the bigger balance you have the bigger vision in mind you know why you're doing it you're not just doing it recklessly to to protect you need to defend and to put and and if that defense requires violence use it that's what i mean read it jamie you you ought to you have to read it yeah yeah that's read read that quote it's a great quote this is about this is about like through struggle integrating yourself so to bringing together the fractured parts if a man gives way to all his desires or panders to them, there'll be no inner struggle in him, no friction, no fire. But if for the sake of attaining a definite aim, he struggles with desires that hinder him, he will then create a fire which will gradually transform his inner world into a single world. Into a single whole. Yeah. How do you, how do you, um, how do you interpret that through your, through your own understanding and through your own experiences? I think that, so I think one person, uh, you, you could you could argue that he's just advocating for repression, like don't indulge in desires and struggle with them instead and that'll make you a better person. I feel like that's not really functional. That's not a good approach. I guess how I interpret that though is that if... If you have two different versions of yourself that are demanding that you two do do two different things. Person A says I shouldn't fuck that girl. Person B says, oh, but I really want to. You know? I think that's a, that's a that's an mm-hmm. issue that like a lot of men have mm-hmm. wrestled with in the relationship with women or various things in their mm-hmm. life. 
I think that there has to be some full holding holding in your mind of these two opposing forces. Yes. And and I think with with the will that you're going to find a way to fit them together or at least contain both of them and it's it's painful and it creates heat. It's really tough to hold these two conflicting ideas in your mind at the same time and to be aware of it. And this goes back to meditation, mm. practicing awareness, watching your pendulum swing between these two versions of yourself. And then somehow and it's it's painful it's cognitive dissonance it's confusing but then somehow holding space for these two different versions of yourself until out of the out of the the frustration and anger of uncertainty of not knowing what to do somehow there's a heat that's created until you find the reconciliation between the two parts the two sides of you are still you one is light one is dark and they are pulling you which way, right? The devil, the devil's on your shoulder here. The the angels on your shoulder here. Don't do it, you know. Do it. Don't do it. Do it. But what if they worked together? That's what I'm ultimately saying. What if you took the energy that light always gives you, and work it with the energy that dark could potentially give you, and you work together? So you're saying you're not a Sith or a Jedi, but you're you're like a you're you you're, both. you're both. You're not neither. You're both because to be neither is to to step away from everything, right? And you need both. Just, just like you know, even the yin yang thing. There's mm. a dot in the in the dark and a dot in the light because sure, you need sure. one for the other. And say if we take the how okay, so like oh, then the next question is how how does it how do, how do you how do you find unity with the light and the dark? Take for example discipline, right? Discipline is done in the name of good. You, you know, yeah, the to 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 be in control. There's a lot of positive connotations that come with the term discipline and the act that comes with it. So if you are a slave to a certain vice, you drink too much, you smoke too much, you fuck too much, whatever vice that exists in this world, you do it too much to the point where it's detrimental to you. Mm. The act of discipline, because the thing itself is not, not nothing wrong with drinking. Everybody can drink, but it's when you can't control yourself and you drink too much. You're in excess. That's when you you use you know so everything is fine mcdonald's is fine sex is fine nothing wrong with with a healthy you know physical uh, life but it, when you indulge in it too much that becomes a problem hence discipline hence hence ex- abstaining brahmacharya and all that so that is in the name of good but you're you're but you're not abstaining because abstaining means i'll never do that which is light Indulging is doing it all the time, which is dark. Discipline is doing it when I want to, and knowing that if I don't want, if I if it's too much, I stop. That is your unity between dark and light. Do you know what I'm saying? I think I know what you're saying. I think because, I hear where you're coming and, from. Yeah. And from what I perceive, I'm talking to you as well, Craig. So both of you, one is light, one is dark. One indulges <laughs> and one abstains. That's what I'm saying. Just so you guys need to work together. You know, the, the devil and the, the the angel need to work together to find this balance because there's nothing wrong with and with with drinking and partying and all that. Well, then, may, but may, on the weekends, you know, maybe, what I mean, not every maybe, day. So, 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 I reject I reject your characterization of it as light and dark and good and evil. I think I think the moralization of good and evil, saying right. like, if if partying and drinking and like indulging and fucking like has a place. Mm then we can't characterize those activities as evil, right? They have but, the potential but it's for not, addiction. yeah. It's not. It's in excess that becomes bad. 
So the thing itself is fine. Drinking a bottle of wine is fine. Having sex is fine. Yeah. All these things are fine. I guess I guess I agree with what you're saying. I think that where I want to draw the line or like at least make a distinction is saying that like I'm not super comfortable. I would have to think into it more. I'm not super comfortable labeling labeling the two sides of this as good and evil. But it's not because they are one and the but, same. But you, but you were talking about God and the devil, right? Like yeah, you but were, they are one and the same. Don't you get it? Lucifer was was an angel. What? You know, like, it's one and the same. Love and hate are the same. As much as you can love someone, when the tables are turned, you hate that person. Bro. You know what I mean? I That's, that's not, that's not a, that's not a position I'm gonna jump on forward with. I don't think love and hate are the Dude, same. Do you, do you love your parents? Um, of course. Everybody on some level yeah, loves their parents. But you kind of also hate them. You know what I mean? You hate them for for just doing no. this to you when you were young. You hate them for no. If for, I hated them, I would cut them off. I wouldn't want to support them financially. I wouldn't want to talk with them on Mondays, but I do. I mean, I mean, to, to me, to me, like fair enough, fair enough. Like I do, I do yeah, love but, them, and so I show up for them. But I, I, I don't deny that you do. But you see, like to to love is to hate. You know what I mean? No, I don't. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna. I need to go pee really quick. Yeah, Can you? Think Craig, you want to jump in? Jackson will join us in a bit. We have an intermission. Jackson's taking the mic. Hey, what's up? We're going to shit up, boy. <laughs> what are your thoughts so far, man? How have you been? I've yeah. been like sitting at a sideline, like observing. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, just good. It's nice hearing Jackson just... Um, just share. Yeah, man. Yeah, because I... I can talk to Jackson for hours and hours and hours. Mm. Like we um, we do a program together where we teach English to these kids in the mountains and nine times out of ten, we're the ones that are late for class because mm. we've been talking about good versus evil and semen retention and all this crazy shit. Um, and yeah, it's nice to like sit on the sidelines of these kind of conversations with him. It's a different perspective. Um, but yeah, I think we go around and around about the good and evil a lot. Um, whereas I think me and you are probably more aligned right. in the perspective. And one of the things we've been discussing, discussing recently is um, hermetics and the Rosicrucians. And so the Rosicrucians are like this kind of like very esoteric, almost like secret organization that existed throughout kind of the Christian era of Europe that preserved the idea of duality and this hermetic idea of the pendulum that swings. And so to them, Lucifer and Satan are two different entities. And so Lucifer is this light. It's this um, kind of like rejection of the physical world purely in the name of the spiritual world. And Satan is the rejection of the spiritual world purely in favor of the material. Mm. And so you would see Satan in like Vegas, mm. <laughs> but then you might see Lucifer in like, oh, you know, church. the cults. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like the cults where everyone kind of kills themselves at the end, like Jonestown kind of stuff or whatever, where it just gets, I think that's where you see a lot of the, the abuses in spirituality come through. Mm. Um, and, and so yeah, we go round and round about this a lot. It's interesting what you just mentioned as well, like how you and Jackson would talk a lot about good and evil. But because there is this uh, opposingness, like um, yin and yang again, like I, I see it quite clearly from my perspective. There's a yin and there's a yang, and you guys are drawn towards each other naturally because of this constant debate. Mm. And that's why I say love and hate, dark and light. It's not one better than the other or one overpowers the other. They are the same. That's the thing. Day and night are there 
it's just we are the ones that are spinning and determining what is at what point is light, what point is dark. So the the idea that like even you just said like oh you guys talk a lot about this thing is because of the dualities of both of your indi- uh, personalities that are able to debate about this. You what know? makes it interesting? Yeah, it's what makes it interesting. Yeah. I need to pee now. You want to take over? <laughs> chat, <laughs> chat amongst yourselves. All right. We got Jamie and Jackson. <laughs> Jamie and Jackson pulling shit up and breaking it down. <laughs> um, yeah. So. So do good and evil exist? Um, they certainly do in the minds of men. Whether they do in nature is a whole other discussion. But like, is the tiger evil for killing me so that it can feed its children? Maybe not. Was Hitler evil for taking out whatever the fuck was going on in his heart and sold out on reality and out on other beings? Yeah. Because he had a choice. He could have mined the... Um, the fact that he is the product of like an in essentially paedophilic incestual rape of his mother by her uncle. Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? That's, and then he wasn't even like, like his family was known for being incestuous. Hitler's like in was? the local area. Yeah, like his uncle and everything. Like I think his oh uncle God. was inbred, like Hitler's inbred. So he's inbred, um, potentially like his grandfather's Jewish. No. And so even his okay. attempt to... Um, all of his like anti-Semitism is like this like self-hatred complex and Gosh. inadequacy out of the whole um, not that we should all be feeling sorry for Hitler I don't I can't well I can't get cancelled I don't have a job um, try me bitch no I'm joking um, so, <laughs> but so, fuck it it's coming sooner or later so the, get out of the way um, <sighs> so Yes, yeah, so he's the product of this kind of like paedophilic, abusive, incestuous, multi-generational, <laughs> inbred family. Stephanie, do I? We're talking about Hitler, um, <laughs> and then his grandfather is his grandfather. His grandfather's probably Jewish, and then um, his father dies while he's like a teenager, and then just as he's coming into adulthood, his mum dies, and he has this really Oedipal relationship with his mother that completely like wrecks him. And then, I think it's only after that that he then goes into the First World War and a fucking shell lands on the trench that he's in, kills the whole fucking, like, platoon or whatever the correct term is for it, and he's the only fucking survivor. And in the First World War, they tended to send you with people that you grew up with so that you'd fight harder. They learned in the Second World War because the casualties got so high that you would kill an entire village in a month and ruin all of the... um, uh, morale back home so that's why they now send you with people from different parts of the country so you don't end up like having the whole village doing funerals all at once Yeah. so anyway so his whole fucking platoon dies except for him and the way that he compensates for that fucking pain is to say that he was chosen by God and so that feeds into his insecurity of being a fucking inbred little bit Jewish hating Jew person whatever the fuck he is um <laughs> I'm going to try and be more um, precise with the language. <laughs> so, on, so he's already fucked, right? So he's already, we're, we're, we can establish that he's already in so much like suffering and that all of that is then getting built into this kind of um, uh, yeah. God complex that he's got. And then he gets this rejection from the, from the art university, which is either pre or post um, World War One. He obviously decides to blame that on the Jews, as you did back in those days. If you were, if you were like an Australian or whatever, Australian, Austrian, German, definitely getting cancelled now. The point is that the reason this man was so vile 
on fellow human beings is because he was in so much pain, like so much unimaginable pain. Um, his doctor was injecting him with like bull semen and cocaine before his um, before his um, meetings with Mussolini, where he would rant at Mussolini for six hours, like I'm doing now, until Mussolini would agree to stay in the war for another few months. And like, he was on meth, there's videos of him online, you've all seen it on Joe Rogan. Like this was a man who was deeply, deeply troubled. And I think that it's not like just him as an individual, but he's the peak of a wave of like whatever this like homicidal energy is and hatred. And I don't know, I've done a lot of bad things because I was in a lot of pain, so I kind of get it. <laughs> I wanted to burn the world down sometimes. And mm. when you look at his strategy, it wasn't the strategy of someone who actually wanted to achieve good things. It was a strategy of someone who wanted to take the whole world down with him. And that's what happened. And to him, yeah. he, he did what he did in the name of good because he believed what he was doing was good. So then what is good and what is evil? It's all arbitrary. Let's talk about semen retention. <laughs> yeah, Hitler was also a fan of. Huh? Hitler was into veganism and semen retention. Yeah, so... Was what? he really? Yes, yeah, so you've got more in common with Hitler than you've got. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, well, alright. Keep tabs on me, bright future. <laughs> so see, that's, the, that's the, the thing where the more good you are, ultimately you end up be, being bad. Sure. The more bad you are, there is mm. some good. So there is no side... It's the same. That's what I'm trying to, to. Do you do you think there are individuals who break outside of that? Like, do you do you believe in the idea of? Okay, let me ask you this. Do you like, think is you... Jesus beyond duality? Is Buddha beyond duality? Like, are they are they are these people who are have gone beyond good and evil and have reached some sort of fundamental thing, which is beyond yin and yang? Uh, it is the fusion of the two, which is like a transcendent. I good. don't know. I don't know because like if I think of who Jesus was, who Buddha was, I can't see them doing bad. Because like, and in Hinduism, they have, and in Advaita Vedanta, they, they call the nature of Brahman, the nature of the self, they say it's Sat Chit Ananda, which is, Sat means like truth or existence, Chit is mind or consciousness, and Ananda is bliss. Right. And this is the nature of God. It's, it's real, it's conscious, and it's but you blissful. See, say we take Jesus, for example. He, so far, if I, I look at him as a person, he's done no bad at all. He's lived his entire life never sinning. But because of his ultimate goodness, he dies. And he forsakes everybody that needed him at that point. Imagine well, that's his not, friends. That's not the Christian story, bro. What do you mean? He doesn't. He doesn't forsake everyone who needs him. He dies, and he's like he assumes the karmic debt of everyone in the world. Yeah, it's like it's like the ultimate sacrifice to ah, save everyone. That's true. Okay, well, I bullshit it. My <laughs> lack of understanding. Clearly, I'm not a fucking Christian. It's all good. No, you but, didn't grow up in LDS land like. But okay, so let me ask you this question: Do you think that you are a good person, Jackson? Simple question, but think about this. I try to be. Yes or no? Let, let's say, let's binary, like yes or no. Do you think yes or no? And then ask you why. I have to choose. Yeah. Gun to your head. Yes or no? Are you a good person? Yes. See the, okay. We go back to Hitler. Hitler thought he was a good person. Right? Hitler Did thought he? that... Of course, but like, why would anybody... Did he, did, he, did he bother with that question? No, I mean, here's the thing. And, th and this question is a paradox, of course, because there is no right answer. But if you think that you are a good person, it means that everything that you do is in the name of good. 
So you can do no wrong because every choice that I make is no, good. No, 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 you just, you just, I, I, I didn't want to answer the question, right? But you just yeah. made me answer the question and say yes. But like, I, I don't really. Yeah, but you, but you still perceive yourself as a generally good person. Again, there is no right or wrong answer, but I'll, I'll give you that example. So, and I'm not comparing you to Hitler, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like, if you think that you are a good person, everything that you do is in the name of good, therefore, subconsciously, you can do no wrong. Because like, hey, I'm trying to do good. Like, everything that I do is good. So, I'm forsakening my dark side because like, oh, I'm not bad. I would, if I see someone poor, I'll give him money. If, if someone needs help, I'll help. But you're not... Um, that doesn't make you a good person. Versus someone, if I ask, like, say someone else, uh, Uncle Joe, are you a good person or a bad person? And he's like, no, I, I don't think I'm a good person. Because I drink, I, 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 I steal, I do all these bad things, arbitrarily bad things. But because of his awareness of his darkness, he's aware that he's bad, It in that in itself implies that he has the ability to be good. Because he's aware of his darkness, uh, dark side so if you are not aware of your dark side it consumes you if you are aware like I say I know I'm a bad person I've done bad things but I can be good or so yeah. versus I'm a good person I always help people I always donate to charity I, I'm always kind you know and that but you can't is, see what you, you can't don't see. even know yeah you can't see what you can't see the road to 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 hell is paved with good intentions but I'm helping you but said the monkey to the fish as he pulled him out of the, I'm keeping you from drowning as he pulled him out of the water and, and put him into the tree. I'm helping one, right? That's what I mean. Like, you, you are good. I'm, I'm good. I'm helping. But you're not aware of your own darkness versus the person that says, yeah, I, I come, I'm kind of a shitty person. I'm mean to everybody. But, you know, it is what it is. And he accepts that. That doesn't mean that he's a good person. He's just said he's an asshole. But he's aware of his darkness. And because of that, in some weird way, if I'm someone looking at these two people, I trust the guy that says he's a bad guy more because he's aware of his darkness. This guy that says he's he's a nice guy, he doesn't even know he's capable of his darkness. And, sure. And, and so somebody, somebody, if we're talking about somebody who's absolutely convinced that they are righteous, mm. they are con- somebody who is convinced of their righteousness is definitely somebody to watch out for. Yeah. That's what, I'm, that's what I meant, lah. Yeah. But like, maybe I've just surrounded myself with with some cool friends. But most of the people that I talk to, I don't think go around like saying like I'm a good person and asserting that. Mm. Right? I don't. I don't. I don't meet that many people who are so self righteous. You know? <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like no one's that. No, I don't like that kind of self righteousness. You know? <laughs> yeah. We we'll, we admit that we are human and we we're flawed and we have done sure. bad things. Sure. But we try to do good. But exactly, exactly. Like everybody, like that's the human story. But what I, I'm trying to put across is that don't deny your darkness. That's what I, that's the ultimate um, vibe that I'm getting from what is What is the darkness inside you? Me? Or in- inside a person, like, yeah, don't, don't, don't deny your darkness. Or here's the thing, okay? Uh, you're with your girl. Someone okay. is someone pops out from the bush and threatens sure, to... Sure, you, you beat the shit out of him. Yeah, that requires darkness, what? Because a pacifist is like, oh, you know, I don't want any violence. Here's some money, just leave us alone. Which is also a, a way to get out of a situation. In Buddhism, they have this idea of skillfulness. Sure. If you see uh, 
if you're outside in a snowstorm and you've got a coat on and you see somebody who's freezing to death, you don't stop and give them your coat because then you're going to freeze to death. That's not, that's unskillful compassion. You're not actually making the world a better place. Yes. Their suffering becomes your suffering. It's a zero sum game. Yeah. But instead, you know, maybe you go and you run, you know, there's a coat store nearby and you have enough money that you can buy a coat and you go out and you bring it to that guy. Mm. That's a different situation. Mm. That's skillful compassion. It wouldn't be skillful compassion if you needed that money to buy bread to go feed your family and now your kids are going to go hungry and maybe starve. That's unskillful compassion, right? So I, I, I think I think that you're rightfully making an argue, argument against moral simplicity, but that doesn't mean that amidst the messiness of the phenomenal world, there's still not an overarching trend towards more peace, more consciousness I, that we cannot aspire to I don't and maintain as a guiding light. I feel that good will always triumph over evil. Mm. But evil will always rise up. Mm. It's, a, it's a tale as old as time. You look at all the movies. At the end of the movie, the, the monster is defeated. And then in the sequel, the monster suddenly, 10 years, 100 years later, rises up because some guy chants something and the mummy rises. Mm. And that's the story as old as time. Evil will always rise. Good will always win. Mm. And here we are in this constant battle. Mm. What was that? Balance. balance, balance, yeah, balance, balance. So then, if we look at it, we require balance. The the bad in the world is somehow necessary, you know, if whether we want to believe it or not, just as much as the good. So then, why wouldn't we use that analogy with ourselves? Why do we not balance the good and the light? It is in everything that we see, day and night, yin and yang. What, is it, what does it mean to balance the light and the dark within it's, yourself? I guess, I guess it's up to your own interpretation, right? Because if you feel like <laughs> you're kind, there's the rub, no? Yeah, right. Because it's, because if you if you're if you're saying like, I mean, I don't know the answers, you know. You go like there was a, there was a there was a Tibetan Buddhist guy. What's his name? Uh, Chagyam Trungpa, and person that he he was a lineage holder right and then he gave his his vajrayana lineage he passed it on to this guy named Asal tenzin and Asal tenzin ended up like having sexual relations with a bunch of students while knowing he was infected with hiv and some of those students went on Damn. to die from aids mm. so here's this purported like religious leader this tantric master who some people still like revere and hold in high regard who literally went and like because of his because of his choices, like people died from AIDS because mm. they trusted him and they had sex with him and then they went on to get infected and die. I don't know all the details of the mm. story, but that's the gist of it, right? Like that guy probably thought a lot about yin and yang. He probably thought a lot about balancing good and evil, and he still came out on the evil side. Lack like, of discipline. He lacked the control. He knew that that he had that, but he still chose to do it. That that's a choice made in the name of the devil, not in the name of God. Like. But what if you said Oh, but it, it hurts so much to be disciplined. I really want to have sex. Like, it feels like an imbalance. So then... It feels like him, an imbalance. For him, it's to the point where it's like, I can't do this anymore. I need to release or whatever. Then he's doing himself a favor in the name of his own good. So even his choice in the, in, in the name of his own good becomes evil. So then where do you draw the line? What is good and evil anymore? There, is not, there, is, there isn't any. That's the thing. They are the same. Him, him choosing like I need to do this is doing good for him but in bad for the world 
And we see this duality all the time, right? To protect, I need to kill. To defend, I need to fight. Then how? To maintain peace, I need to have war. I'm, ha I'm having a very hard time articulating exactly my perspective, but I think you're missing something critical here. I might be. I mean, I'm open to, to hearing, but so far, like, I'm not trying to push anything or any ideas, but it's just from what I see, from what I experience, and because I also at some point wanted to just be good, I just want to be a good person, but I felt like I, you, I needed help. I needed to deep, dig deep into a certain part of myself that was capable of doing certain things. When I go to the gym, I need to push myself. How do I push myself when, uh, with, with love? I, I can push myself harder with hate. I can push myself harder with sadness, you know? Mm. And here's the thing. Here's a secret. I'll tell you a secret. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually an alchemist. Cool. Okay. I can take something and yeah. I can turn it into something else. That's what inner right? alchemy is. Yeah. I can take hate. I can take pain and I can channel the energy into something positive. And here's my second secret. Yeah. You're an alchemist too. You're an alchemist too. We're all alchemists. And we can take whatever that the world deals to us and channel it into whatever that we want. So, yeah, I feel pain. Yeah, I feel sadness. Yeah, I feel anger. Yeah, I feel all these things. That, uh, this is a human experience. I feel all these things, but I don't let it affect me, right? I'm not, because I'm not my emotions. But if my, my emotions tell me I'm angry, I don't throw the table. I just feel the anger. Yeah, I feel the anger. But then I can't just suppress the anger. I need to channel that somewhere. I can punch someone because of my anger, but that's negative. That's in the name. That's the act of the devil. But I can channel that in the gym. I can channel that through work. I can channel that through something positive, right? I can learn the lesson that pain and anger gives me and channel it into something else. So is the anger or the pain bad? Is the, is the, the guy that did something bad to me bad? Ultimately, it's good. It's how I perceived it. And again, how did something so bad become so good? They are the same. You get it? Because if I draw that line, it's left and right. It's me versus you. But this is us. And that's why I'm saying like you to, to, to be good is to acknowledge your shadow. Because it's there. Everybody has a shadow. You can't run away from it. So it's still you. Like that is still you. come from sitting with my impatience until I get comfortable with it and dig into it or it opens up to me like all of my compassion comes out of my rage like it's the we want to be like oh I love everyone da, 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 da. but like I find that those are the most um, Absolutely. disingenuous and that it's actually like the love is hidden inside the hate um, and yeah, the practices are all for that. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I I don't know the answers. I don't know anything. Maybe you're right. Maybe someone else is right. Nobody knows. You made a statement, which is that good and evil are the same. Because maybe the evil 
you know, some guy was an asshole to you and he cut you off on a motor, but he just did a, like some petty bullshit thing to you. And if we can characterize that as evil, it was unnecessary negativity directed towards you. And that made you angry. And then you went and you took that anger and you pushed out a few extra reps and turned it into gains, into improvement in your life. You alchemized that, you metabolized that energetic structure of anger and you turned it into something positive. Mm. And you're making the argument that Therefore, because the evil spurred you towards good, that good and evil are the same. That one, that good, that evil led to good, somehow. One is necessary for the other. Just like there can be no light without dark, no dark without light. That's what I'm saying. Um, maybe I'm demonstrating the naivety of my philosophy so far, but I'm, I'm not willing to accept that good and evil are necessarily intertwined and one must always exist with the other. Fair I, 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 something about that feels wrong to me. And that could be, again, due to my own naivety or lack of wisdom, or there could be some insight I'm trying to tease out that I'm not quite able to articulate. And that's fair. Like, we're not here to impose any ideas. But here's what I am here to do with what I've just said. Mm. It's to question your reality and your understanding of life. For sure. Because for I sure, you you've, you've lived your life in a certain way. There is this, there is that. And, and, it's, and it's helped you make sense of the world. And now as I come and I was to be share, and I rock this boat of yours, and now you're, because of your identity and who you are has been built on this construct. Once this construct has been demolished, now the whole reality starts to shift. And because you don't want the world to crumble around, you don't want your reality to melt, so you hold on to that idea. And now I impose this challenge to you that you can change. Everybody's malleable, right? Not to say that you are not who you are and you're not solid enough. Allow yourself to change and to evolve. You have, you still are who you are. You have your experiences and your understandings of the world don't for forsake it it's still uh, experience but build upon what i've shared and if it can add value great if you reject it completely then reject it because who am i to, to impose anything onto you right but ultimately as much as you find resistance in what i've said there is still an inkling inside you that you know it to be true and that's why the resistance comes Right? Because if it's not true, you'd be like, no, no, it's not, I don't think so. And be done with it. You, you won't even, there's no, not, nothing holds you back. But because you know there is some truth in what I've said, you can understand it and you can see it in the way things are. And that's why it rocks your reality right now. Mm. So I say, sit with this itch. <laughs> I don't think... Um I don't think I'm like tail spinning into into. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not spiraling, um, but it's just something to think about, you know. And plus, I am like ten years older than you, so I've seen certain things that you may not have reached yet. So don't beat yourself up about it, you know. It's just you're already so knowledgeable, you're already so spiritual, mm -hmm. and you've probably lived more lives than me already. 
hard to say that. I think now that the golden egg for you is hidden inside this anger and rejection you feel towards this acceptance of evil, of, of what's perceived as evil. Like, there's a lot of, like, I reject this hypothesis, like, this, like, and there's, there's anger with it. And somewhere in that is, like, some real, like, love. Somewhere in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about, think about also like what you mentioned about how you said you wanted to step into your masculinity and all that. And there is this, uh, something that you're looking for also when it comes to women and all that. What, what was I trying to say? I'm so guilty of always losing my train of thoughts. It was something about I feel like a part of you also is trying to find answers and you and you keep looking towards the light for answers. And then like when you were talking about uh the thing that we talked about the other day about about uh how do I say it? <laughs> uh, being too soon <laughs> and all that, right? You also it's also like you need to be a bit like the 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 devil needs to come out sometimes. Okay, or rather, let's not call it good and evil. Let's no, just call let's it away from light and dark. Terminology. Yeah, light and dark sounds better. Cause mm. evil, I don't want to be like no one should be evil. Let's put that aside. Let's call it dark and light. There are some things that require dark energy. There's some things that require light energy. There's no nuance to it. It's just it just is. It's just light. It's just dark. It's just alcohol. It's just you know. It's just the thing. The thing itself has no right or wrong. It's just the thing. And it's how we use it, right? A hammer can help and a, ca- a hammer can hurt. Think of that light and dark as just a hammer, a tool. It is not inherently evil or inherently good. Because then you were like, oh no, I don't want to do bad things, but I have to do it. So then here's you know my question. First of all, number one, I agree with you that there's an inkling of something that you're saying that needs to settle into place and that's going to shift my worldview. And I, I, I'm I, grateful for that. This has been a really good conversation for me. So thank you, bro. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Craig. Um, yeah. I, do, I do have a lot to reflect on. Number two, when it comes to integrating the shadow, which is a theme that I've been reflecting on and bringing up more in my life over the last couple of weeks in particular. And I think that is a big, there, there's, there's a gold mine of revelation for me there. There's, there's something I need, there's work I need to do there. When it comes to integrating the shadow, how does one balance one's shadow with the light in such a way that one does not become a completely morally you don't neutral fall person. The deep end, right? Yeah, when it, it it it's how do you how do you become somebody It seems like people who accomplish great things in the world they all have some sort of vision or purpose mm. or mission, right? And to me that it often comes from some moral force like like you 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 believe that the, the scientific research you're doing has value and it feels purposeful, it feels good. 
you know, you believe your political career, you believe that the literature you're writing, I don't know, maybe this is too much of a generalization, but like, how, how do you avoid becoming a powerful but neutral person? Controller? Because again, you're not letting the good or the bad run rampant. You're using them to your will mm-hmm. and, you're let, and you're allowing them to work together. And, and what, towards what end does your will work? your capacity for self-control mastery of the mind I mean, I mean rather what is what is the aim of your will if it is not shackled Every, to good or evil if it's not trying it's to in be the name of god la. whatever that you do sacrifice is in the name of god so everything that you do must be in the name of god otherwise it's in the name of the devil already what <clears throat> so everything like say if you share if you give and how do you get in touch with the name how do you get in touch with god how do you're you already that doing you're that well you're already talking to him every night every morning for an hour what do you mean there, no, 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 but... but. How do you get in touch? Because what I'm talking about, when I say good, I'm not talking about an intellectual good. I'm talking about that principle that we just talked right. about. Because it sounds like we've just circled around and we said, we've got to integrate the shadow, we've uh-huh. got to integrate light and dark in order that we may command these energies with our will uh-huh. in order to do what? That's to, the question. To serve to God. What? Yeah. To serve God. And yeah. what is God? So I, the ultimate good. Yeah. Hey. Right? So beyond good and evil, there is good. Satchitananda, existence, consciousness, bliss, the God nature of damn. God. Damn. Hmm. Yes, there is. There is good and there is evil. They are two things, but they are also the same. And I don't mean them the same as in they are like the same thing but they are the same the two sides of the same coin so on a coin there's the face and there's a tail but you wouldn't call the face the tail you wouldn't call the tail the face but you would call it the coin so that's what I I mean where they are not exactly they're still in separate but they are the same in that sense then what if oh, okay and we're talking about God and the and and, and the devil right no but see are, I, I don't think God when we're, when we're talking about the transcendent God I don't think it's a God that has a counterpoint that's equally evil I don't think I don't think that when when I talk about God, I'm talking about that which is beyond duality. Mm. But there is like in in this world, there is a because if there isn't, then we will all be running around singing, holding hands, and and you know dancing on rainbows. What there is definitely malice in this world. Certainly, right? Fucking the uh, Buddhism, the the four. It's it's entirely suffering. Yeah. Life is suffering. What? So is suffering bad? It's good. What in a sense? It's how we determine that suffering. And how we channel it, right? Fucking the, it's life is a, the moment you're born, you're crying already. Right? The process of birth is pain, but through that pain comes life. Through that pain comes potential. Yeah. I do you not see the dark and the light in that? Through yeah. something painful, which is dark, comes something. You know, good, which is light. So they are in a sense the same one. That's what I meant. Yeah. Like it's not about good and evil. It's about light and dark in unison through the darkness comes the light through the light comes the darkness so as much as from the darkness you are born you woken up you are alive you are light know that also the darkness is within you and if you suppress it you you find imbalance i agree you know so it's not say go and fucking binge and and jump off the deep end neither do you uh, just s- stay indoors and all that kind of thing and don't experience the world 
it's balance. So it's ultimately it is balance, and and to know that sometimes you have to be mean to set your boundaries. Yeah, you know it, it and it and if you hurt someone, it is what it is because it's life. Life is life is full of suffering. We have to road to road to hell paved with good intentions. Like I said, so there's nothing that you can do that will ultimately be good because something that you do will be perceived as bad. So then you can do no true good as a human being because we are flawed from the beginning. Unless we are God himself, herself, then you can do no so wrong. So why life. try? When, then we go back to nihilism already. Well, what is the meaning of life? There's no purpose. What? It's whatever that we determine that purpose to be. So life ultimately is just no, experience. No, that, that's what? not an acceptable answer. Uh, whatever what we determine like meaning in life to be, that's, that's, a totally, that's a total moral vacuum. What if I went and said, I'm going to, my purpose in life is going to be, I want to go, I don't know, like fuck as many women as possible. I don't care if I have to do it in moral ways or immoral ways. You know what I mean? Like, like, is, 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 is there not, is there not, is there no transcendent, transcendent principle that goes beyond light and dark that we cannot turn to and i i'm i i know there is darkness inside and there is light inside but you yourself talked about alchemizing darkness you talked you said i'm an alchemist i alchemize my anger and i turn it into motive to do what right that's right you've you've alchemized the darkness and redirected it in what direction because if if there is only this duality of good and evil and the good and evil, the light and dark have to always be in balance, then what are you doing when you're alchemizing the darkness inside yourself and redirecting it somewhere else? You're causing darkness to spring up somewhere else. And so it's, it's like... I, I think I understand your question. So there has to be an ultimate purpose and that purpose yes. has to be in the name of something good. Yes. Right? Yes, like say, which is service or service to others. Let's say, okay... Let's say if you're someone who is not very uh, spiritual and you just want to enjoy life and, and, and have fun and all that, great. That's yeah. fine. But you, while you're doing that, you don't really want to hurt people along the way. I think that's yeah. a good enough path, right? Yeah. You're not fucking Mother Teresa. You're not sacrificing every day in life, every waking moment to help kids in Africa. But you're still experiencing life and you try not to do any bad things and, and then you die. Yeah. That's one way to live your life. All, and if you live life on one end of the spectrum like your mother Teresa's or whatever also like you look at all the great leaders or the great um, great, the great humans of the world most of them are flawed in a particular way they like say George Washington fucking had, sure, sure. Like, you know all these people all the great people also have a dark side which we don't hear about Columbus you know all these people and on the other end you hear your Hitlers being nice to their nieces and being like great painters, which is the duality. So then the ultimate purpose of what is driving the choice or the path that you take, and I said like it's in the name of God, but then you asked again, right, what does that mean? Whatever that you do should be done in the name of God and should be done in the name of service to God. So let's say if I'm misguided, uh, I think uh, I want to have fun I want to enjoy life I think to me that is in the name of my own happiness and in the name of God so I just fucking get wasted every day but then you're blinded by the devil what? because you can't see and then the ultimate thing which you look at all the scriptures and all that 
Jesus' sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, and you give. And already innately, you sort of know what is good and what is bad. Giving is good. Sharing is good. Taking care of someone. Helping someone. These are very common things that are good. And like killing someone, beating someone, punching someone, that's kind of bad. You know that, right? So you just work towards that uh, intuitive compass within you. And then you weigh like what is good, what is bad. Or what is light, what is dark. And then along the way, while you're building your charity business and all that, there are certain things that you have to do that is in the name of darkness, like the greater good, you know, like uh, kill one to save two, that kind of thing, which you have, as, at a certain point, like look at all the politicians or look at all the great leaders, at some point they have to do something, they have to make such decisions. So is it good or bad, right? For the greater good, is it in the name of God? But then you've, you've committed a, a, a mortal sin, so then what the fuck? And then if we that and that, that that's on a high level of course, but we're not there and we are just two random yeah you know, we're just people, so my life is simple your life is simple we don't have to think so drastically, but just like how can I live my life in service to others that's like, I think it's a very simple way of just guiding yourself yeah how can I live my life in service to others I think it's I think it's a beautiful um, objective for one's life. Um, what I would say is this I certainly could be doing a better job of living in service of others that's for sure and that I think my, my what I would call a relative degree of impotence like I would like to see myself having a greater a greater impact on the world yeah. and I think that part of that part of the reason why I don't feel like I've harnessed enough power to be able to live the life I really want to live because I haven't integrated my shadow. And I think you guys are dead on in like spot on saying like Jackson, you you have a blind spot here. You need to dig into it. You're right. I do. I mean, explore that. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. I, th- I think you're right. And I think I acknowledge you're both older brothers of mine, right? Like you're both, you're both, and I'll be humble enough that I can like sit down and say, Hey, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm wrong about that. I don't know it's so much about, about that. Don't think about it as right or wrong. Um, Just, Think about it whether it works for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're just it's, sharing it's a from question, our It's a question I need to dig into. Just another door. And I think, what's that? Just another door. Yeah. Yeah, it's just another door. Walk through it. If it sucks, go back. You know? And I also think that it's an enduring dissatisfaction with the answers that I have so far about good and evil, evil and all these things. And I think it's a frustration that motivates me to keep sitting on my meditation cushion every day. Yeah. Like if I was happy with my life and I was satisfied... I wouldn't meditate. I wouldn't need yeah. to. It'd be fine. I just go out and live my life. But I feel conflicted, and I don't really. I feel confused, and that's what that's what takes me back to my cushion every day, and motivates me to try and ask these questions more but deeply. We're supposed to feel confused. We're supposed to feel anger. We're supposed to feel lost, because that drives us to search. That's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, and that, and 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 like it is frustrating to not know, and it is frustrating. Like I like I was the the first time when we had dinner, I was telling you how frustrated I was about not knowing. But maybe there is solace in never knowing and con- and the search never ends. And maybe it's not supposed to end. And maybe I'm not supposed to search. You know, and we go back to that fucking... One way to find out. <laughs> <sighs> How do you feel? Mm. Good. I feel like we've had another, another lo- classic long Aaron Craig Jackson conversation that 
has led everywhere and nowhere. Yeah, yeah I said from day one, eh, from from at the at the Indian place to your podcast to your podcast. Yeah, like it's just the three of us. We've been there. We've we we. It's so fucking funny. It's hilarious. Eh? It is hilarious. We keep going to these places. Um, no, but I guess I guess my takeaway is keep meditating. Keep 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 seeking transcendent answers. That's my that's my keep fighting temporary uh, answer it's it's just keep doing what needs to be done keep fighting keep, yeah keep keep the demons at bay maintain your discipline yeah and don't run away from the world either be uh, in it easier said than done sometimes yep you know uh, world's a scary place you yep. don't have to do it all in this lifetime that's true yeah, yeah. that's true we have many more lives to live yeah so then why are we worried why have anxiety? Oh, maybe it has a lesson to teach us. I didn't, yeah. Well. I feel like this is a nice energetic close. What do you think? I agree. Any final words? Uh, no. I don't think so. Thank you. That's my final word. Thank you, Aaron. It's been a great conversation. and um, I'm excited to see how we're both going to grow. I think we're both we're both still young men and we're both hey <laughs> not until you're you're a young man until Speak you're for like yourself. 45 uh, you got another so decade bro yeah but um yeah I think the future is exciting and I think there's lots of reasons for hope one of the the things that I realized so from doing this podcast is that when I listen back to old episodes and I hear the old my old self and I hear how I speak or what I was going through at that point in retrospect when I hear it in the future self hearing back on the past self there is a lot of um, compassion to my old self mm-hmm. and there is also a lot of like oh you know I was so confused when I, I was hearing myself I was so confused I was so sad back then and then now when I think of who I am now like I, I, I can see the growth so may this be a reminder to you on this podcast where we record and it's sealed in time this moment yeah that's beautiful when you listen back to it a year two years later and you hear yourself and who you were back then you will be proud of who you are Mm. at that moment because you've come very far awesome sage words from from an older bro I'm just a humble guy I don't know anything (laughs) (sighs) thank you Aaron thank you Craig aka thank you both Um, how can people reach you oh I don't really have any uh public Do- social social profiles and I'm trying to build or, up or maintain okay uh, so I'll leave my socials off but um, I'll come back for a, a reboot episode if I've got yeah. something more interesting going on alright alright before we close I've asked Craig this I've asked Atum this and now I ask you can we get a little performance if you don't mind a little performance yes uh, yeah sure um, sounds good if you're in the mood Uh, a mantra or a song or something maybe if I could request uh, Hanuman or Ganesh Hanuman or Ganesh which is what you you said that you resonated with him on the roof yeah I resonated I think Ganesh was the first mantra that I really resonated with yeah let me get my guitar it's out of tune right now let me go tune it alright have we got time? (laughs) can't do Today's episode very enlightening, very heavy, 
but very break a lot of breakthroughs I feel like I can feel this energy in the air now it's a bit tense it's a bit heavy and I'm hoping that some mantra can lighten up the mood because things have been revealed we're very fresh you know it's very tender now but we sit with it I guess what? <laughs> nah, I can't imagine what's going on in Rindin there now. Should I bring this over there if you want to sit on the chair? <clears throat> it's all good. I can sit on the floor. I like to play on the floor. It's better. It's better for my back. 26 year old. Oh, <laughs> that. <laughs> Fucking old man. Represent. He's the remover of obstacles, mm. no? Through yeah. wisdom. So, what obstacles do we want to remove? What's the intention? Uh, we remove our um, illusions and see truth. Mm. Every, the always, always, always towards truth. See the truth of good and evil, no? Hey. Yeah. 
Ram Ganapataye Namaha Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha Ganesha Ganesha Sharinam Ganesha Sharinam Ganesha does help doesn't it it does it does thank you so much that was thank beautiful you too, brother. have a good night <laughs> good night everybody that's it <laughs> one of the best episodes out there that was fun it was good ah beautiful kirtan huh um, how do you feel? Heavy stuff, I know, uh, but but I still love it. I still love it, lah. You know, I love the banter. I love these philosophical debates, the the battle of ideas. I I I, I re- it stimulates me a lot. I really love having these kind of conversations, and I've been lucky enough to have one. Uh, I've been lucky enough to have to be able to chat with all these like-minded people over the past few days. So very grateful again to the people that I've met in Chiang Mai. I, I, I've, I, I have some things to add on to what we talked about, and I've sort of like thought about this for a while, and I've pulled up some 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 quotes here and some notes here and there. And I'll try and put them all together, all right, for 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 the sake of this podcast as well, and for my own learning experience, and to just sort of summarize everything that we we said. Um, what the fuck? Um, okay, so the first one. Uh, is a quote uh, and it's a famous quote I'm sure you've heard it before uh, from Nietzsche and it goes like this he who fights monsters must be careful lest he becomes a monster himself for when you gaze into the abyss the abyss gazes back at you again a beautiful quote you've heard it before I'm sure in some movie somewhere Room, room. Um, but it's also a dark, a very dark quote, and it highlights this n- this nature within us as humans of this perpetual cycle of, you know, uh, the that to protect something that we love, we have to sometimes become the very thing that we hate. 
you want to you you hate the bully for beating up the the smaller guy so you go and beat up the bully also then you become the bully yourself you become the very thing that you hated in the first place right you've become this monstrous version of yourself so first quote right think about that okay so i move on to the second part another quote 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 number two and it's a beautiful quote once again by the legendary anime animation director hayao miyazaki if you've never heard of him oh my god where where's your childhood the guy that did like spirited away princess mononoke my neighbor totoro that guy and the quote goes like this the quote goes like this you have to learn to see the world through eyes unblinded by hate for there's always some good within evil as much as there is some evil within good now what this means is that there is everybody has a shadow everybody has a dark side right again what we talked about uh, just now in the in the episode that you just heard everybody is fighting their own demons everybody is just fighting to be a good ver- good person but sometimes we are misguided and we do bad things in the name of that greater good so the 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 point of what that quote is is that we allow people that imperfection we allow people i mean the world's not binary right the world is not left and right it's it's a bit nuanced like i said every act of like every act of good comes with a pinch of darkness and we it's not so much about good versus evil but rather to truly be good is just to simply work on yourself and to understand your own capacity to do bad things and it's that acknowledgement of the shadow which again what we talked about and and when i asked that question um what like are you a good person which is this i i watched this video on youtube it's it's a uh, one of those like school of thought videos um Evil is simply the good which believes itself to be absolutely good, right? There is no there is no one beyond reproach and there is no one beyond redemption. If you claim that you are infinitely good, that in itself is uh, evil. And that was the point that that video was trying to make a uh, put across. Maybe I wasn't uh, sharing it properly with Jackson when we were recording it because my mind was fucking racing as it is now. The point of all the okay, so now we have part one, which was the abyss quote, part two, which was acknowledging the shadow, and part three. Here it is. Okay, I'm gonna bring it all back. It all makes sense. And this is by Jordan P- Jordan Peterson, and he says, "You, okay, so what? <laughs> what am I? First thing is that the first quote said that like sometimes if you want to." protect something that you love you must become the thing that you hate the second thing is acknowledging that you are capable of 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 darkness and then the third thing the third quote which i'm going to say now um is uh, jordan peterson said you must become a monster but you must be able to control it and that's the key thing here right so we have the good we have the bad and then how do we bring this together how do we make them work together is is this that we become 
that demon that we need to that we need to do to protect or to 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 to, to beat up that guy to beat up the bully who's bullying the other person but we control it and that's that control that discipline is what separates us from true evil because evil has is chaotic what if we're able to control the beast within us but still be able to become that beast and that is where in lies the power of the unity between good light and dark when you look at the fucking marvel movie the hulk is what's the secret right his secret is that he's always angry and he's able to control the anger so at any point he can just turn into the hulk and then fucking smash previously he was either bruce banner which was weak or the hulk which was dangerous and he couldn't control it good and evil light and dark but once he was able to control it he's he become that that hawk that wears the glasses and can talk like a normal person already he's the and that's the that's the that's the the one the the balance between the two because it's always better to be a uh, what's that quote again uh it's always better to be a warrior in the garden a warrior in a garden than a garden in a war you need to be able to use those skills you need to be able to use the darkness when you need to but still not become the monster itself. Oh man, that took forever for me to get this point across. But like you, I hope you, I hope you get it. Um, and again, I wouldn't have come to this conclusion had I not been listening to this episode like like three times already. Because because I keep editing it and I keep reflecting on it. My God. Initially, when we were chatting, I was still at the first stage of it. That I truly believed that like you needed that dark energy, and I, and I embraced it. To the point where I didn't even realize I was becoming. I I I. I, I didn't I didn't even know that I was becoming uh, part of the abyss. So through, through through. Reflecting more upon it, and through Jackson's. Um, I don't know, hope for or, or, or faith in goodness and the light that I sort of like questioned my own uh, my own concepts a little bit deeper. And so I reinforce it once again where I do believe that there is power in the dark and I also believe that there is power in the light and I, and I think the the goal here the ultimate good is to be able to make them both work in unison somehow. <sighs> that's all I have to say. If you like what you hear, let me segue for a bit. Share this with your friends, repost it on IG, tag me, I'll repost it, blah blah blah, social media, all that, yada yada. Links will be in the description below. Uh, I think I won't tag him I mean I'll tag him But I also won't put his Instagram in the link Because he requested it And then uh, Yeah la, I think you know The music's probably playing now dun, dun, dun. Outro music uh, It's late It's almost midnight Tomorrow's Tuesday I got back in biceps I need to go and rest soon glad that I'm finally done with all three episodes I sort of was working on them for the past couple of days so 
They're gonna be out tomorrow. Oh right, I'll do it right now, lah. Okay. Spot. I've said. I've sp spoke too much already. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>